0: Sometimes when we hear the word obedience, we focus on the one that we're being obedient to. Or perhaps we think about the consequences, uh uh-oh, of not being obedient. When God asks for obedience, I don't think it's about focusing on Him are on the consequences of not being obedient. Rather, I think it's about what obedience brings. Because we ask ourselves, okay, why does God want me to be obedient to this particular thing? Because of what it brings. God is not a taskmaster. He's not power hungry. But he knows the fruit of obedience. So today we're going to wrap up our series on getting real with God. And we're going to see that, oh, I like this. Obedience brings rewards and refreshment. That's why God wants us to be obedient. It brings rewards and refreshment. Now, we know it's not uncommon for rewards to follow obedience, right? Um, you get a bonus, maybe, for a job well done. You're obedient to the country, you did the best you could, and you got a reward for that. You know, the farmer gets a reward for his obedience. It's called an abundant harvest. He's out there working hard all year long. And then in the fall, when he's bringing everything in, his reward is the abundant harvest. What a great reward. So obedience does have fruit. That's what we're saying, okay? It does have fruit. So let's take a look at the bonuses that obedience brings in the spiritual realm. That's what I want us to see, okay? So obedience benefits the believer more than it benefits God. Think about that. Obedience benefits the believer more than it benefits God. I'm going to show you in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has been crucified, his body taken down from the cross, placed in a tomb. It was early Sunday morning when the Marys came. They came to the tomb to anoint the body with spices. When they arrived there, the stone over the opening had been rolled away, and an angel greeted the ladies, the Marys, (laughs) because there was more than one Mary. And in verse 5 of Matthew 28, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you were looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And you know what happened? They left the tomb quickly, verse 8, with fear and great joy. And they they ran to report it to the disciples. And behold. I'm going to translate behold wouldn't you know it, (laughs) Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, these ladies, these Marys and other ladies there too, they were favored to be the first witnesses of the risen Lord. And why the women and not the men? I mean, Jesus had disciples, right? They were with him for three years. Why these ladies? Well, maybe the ladies were even more saddened than the men were. Even the men who walked with Jesus. See, the women, they were last at Golgotha and first at the tomb. The men... They went back to work. So, here's what we see. It is God's way to come to those who need him most and to heal the widest wound. Isn't that God's way? He heals the widest wound. Were these ladies more spiritual than those disciples? You know what? Maybe they were. Maybe they were. Because they were seeking Jesus. The disciples, they went to the school of the Marys to learn about the risen Christ. But the Marys experienced it firsthand. So that's why in verse 7, go quickly, tell his disciples, the angel said, that he has risen from the dead. Now, let's go back to the same school that the disciples went to, the school of the Marys. The first lesson is obedience. Go quickly. Tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead. Belief precedes obedience. You don't obey what you don't believe. Okay, So belief precedes obedience. The angel said, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I've told you, now, they heard the angel's commentary, and they believed it. And then they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and they ran to report it to the disciples. So faith preceded action. They went with an eager willingness to do their errand. And you know what I get from this? What you have seen, you must tell. You know, when you see something great, you can't keep it in, right? Right? I mean, the ladies saw the risen Lord. They couldn't keep it in. Maybe you've been to a wonderful restaurant. You couldn't wait to tell somebody about how good the food was and the service. Or maybe you saw a movie and it was like, Oh, you're going to go see this movie. I cried through the whole thing. I'm like, I I don't want to go see a movie and cry through the whole thing. (laughs) We cry enough. But you know what I'm saying. What you have been taught, you must teach. You cannot be a messenger of God unless you believe right? You want to talk about the things of God? you got to believe the things of God. James said, your belief is evidenced by what you do. Oh, wow. So, never pretend to believe when you really do not. Don't pretend. These ladies, oh, they leaped at once at the opportunity to share the news of the risen Christ. It was not an inconvenience to them, but a privilege. Go quickly. Go quickly and tell. That's it. That was the command. And you know why that was such a great command? Because people are waiting to hear it. People need a hope. And a hope provides a future. Where someone has no hope, they have no future. But when you have a wonderful hope, you will have a wonderful future because the future is built on hope. So he said, go quickly and tell them. What are you waiting for? (laughs) This is a special honor. When you tell quickly what you know about God, it shows the depth of your spirituality. See, I guess the question is, what's the reason I go to church? Do I go to learn? Do I go to worship? Do I go to show off my wardrobe? Do I go to catch up on the latest news? Why do I go? Do I feel guilty if I don't? My friends will call me if I don't. Do I want to be near Jesus? Do I want to have an experience with God? Why do I go to church? I know some of you that are listening, and I don't know everybody, but I'm just generalizing. You have a fire burning in your bones. You can't be silenced from talking about Jesus. Just like the sun can't be restrained from shining, that sun is going to shine down on people, and your testimony can't be stopped. It can. God has sent you, and you know what? People need you. People need some like the Marys. Go and tell the good news. Go tell it on the mountain, as that Christmas song says, that Jesus Christ is born that Jesus Christ has been risen. See, two great events in the life of the Lord. He was born, and he was risen. Those two. You don't want one without the other. You want them both. We've got to have the birth of Christ, but we've got to have the resurrected Christ. Oh, yes, we do, because he's the first fruits of us. So, these ladies, they went. And it wasn't like to the angel, Oh, wait. I have a hairdresser's appointment this afternoon. Can I go later? Or I'm going to a baby shower. You know what I've noticed lately? There's a lot of baby showers on Sunday morning. Why is that? I mean, that's like for Rosemary's baby. But why is that? Well, so many women are missing from church on Sunday because they go to baby showers. And I'm not saying you're not obligated to go. I just think it's not very respectful of the Lord's Day when people put events on Sunday because that's the day for God's people and that should be honored. So the angel said, go and tell the disciples. They didn't say, oh, I did that last time Jesus rose. Give someone else a turn. (laughs) Sometimes people say that, right? Oh, I already served. Let somebody else serve. Let somebody else do something. I already did my part. I'm done. You know what? How are you done loving God? How does that happen? How do you get to a point where you say, Oh, you know what? I loved God. I'm all set now. I don't need to love Him or serve Him or do anything. I don't need to share. No, I'm okay. I already did it. There are some things in life we don't stop doing. Like we don't stop breathing, we don't stop eating, and we don't stop loving God. We don't. It's just the way life is. Now Moses, see these ladies? Man, they were right at it. They went right to the disciples. This is why I say the women were more spiritual than men. And you know what? In most churches, a lot of churches, I I won't even say most churches, because I don't know most churches. I don't like it when somebody thinks they know the the thinking of everybody. You know, somebody says, oh, all people are like this, or all churches are like that, or all men are like this, all women are like that. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that many people. But the point is, I can look at some of the men of the Bible, when God called them, God called Moses, and Moses, he tried to escape God's call. He said, oh, send my brother. Send my brother. He's smarter. He can talk. He can speak better than me. Okay? How about Jonah? Oh, Jonah, he was a piece of work, wasn't he? God wanted to send him to Nineveh. He went in a different direction. Why? Because he hates Ninevites. I don't like those people. God, I don't want them to be saved. They're the enemies of Israel. I want them to burn in the lake of fire. I don't want them saved. God says, they need to be saved. You go to them. How about Elijah? I remember Elijah, he had a great victory over 450 false prophets of Baal. And then, the next thing we know, he's in a depression and he wants to die. He's afraid of a lady's uh, post-it note that was sent to him. And he wants to die. But these women, oh no. These women were not held back by any weakness. They obeyed. They obeyed what the angel had said. So, secondly, then, when there is obedience, there is reward. There's reward. See, God is faithful. God is, oh, graceful. He doesn't have to reward us, but He does. In verse 8, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. They had an encounter with Jesus. Oh, they weren't expecting that. In their obedience to the angel's message, they were not expecting an encounter with Jesus. But he showed up. And there are some believers today, maybe even some of you that are listening, to this radio program or this podcast, and you've been obedient, and you sensed an encounter with the Lord. Or maybe you've never sensed an encounter with the Lord. And why is that? Maybe because Jesus is where the good news is, and he is the good news. And when we're obedient and sharing the good news, Christ is. Is there, where two or more in my, are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Didn't Jesus say that? I think he did. Did you ever work with someone who was so slow, you wanted to jump right in and do the job yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Come on, hurry up. Let me, let me finish it for you. Well, you know what Charles Spurgeon said? I love Charles Spurgeon. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ does not feel at home with lazy Christians think about it. Christians have the greatest promises, the greatest heritage, the greatest future, and there's no place for indifference or passivity or laziness in the Christian's life. There's there's no place for it. It doesn't fit. It doesn't go. Because we have so much motivation and inspiration that comes from being who we are in Christ. Spurgeon said, I believe that he reserves his fellowship for the sufferers and the workers. You think that's two groups of people that are close to God's heart? Those that suffer for the gospel and those that work for the gospel. Because it ain't easy. The Lord met the women because they were doing. Have you ever met Jesus this way? You were doing if not, get at it. Get at it. And doing is not always convenient. But you know what it is? It's a life of faith. That's what it is. Doing is a, like, a life of faith. So the second part of their reward is that Jesus met them and he welcomed them. Jesus, in verse 9, it says, met them in Greeted them. The King James says that Jesus met them and said, All hail. Ha, well that was an English greeting. He greeted them. It means to be full of cheer, to rejoice. They made Jesus smile. They made Jesus happy. Wow. This is the same word used when Gabriel came to young Mary. In Luke 1, coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That's a beautiful greeting. And that's what Jesus used with these ladies. It's a term of endearment. Is not a reward when spoken by the Lord himself. The reward. Isn't Jesus just saying something good to you? Reward enough. Wow. I mean, hopefully... Many of us will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that'll come from Jesus himself. That's a reward right there. For to be in the eyes of Christ and have a life that was well done and faithful as a servant to God. Greetings. You're going to get to the pearly gates. Greetings. Welcome in. Wow. That's a reward. Come on in. Yeah, I know. we know we're going to heaven because we read the Bible, but let me tell you, when we get there, I think it's going to be like, oh, I know for me, it's going to be like, oh, I don't know, this can't be the heaven God had for me. This must be a mistake. This is like first-class heaven. I belong in economy. (laughs) But it's going to be so cool to be invited into heaven with God. Beyond our wildest imaginations. You know, one time Jesus said, No longer do I call you slaves. For the slave, he does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. The friends know everything the master has planned. So remember that when you're serving your church. When you're in church and you're serving, whether you're teaching the children, parking cars, making coffee, running all the technical stuff behind the scenes, whatever you're doing, leading the church in worship, helping them find their seats. Every job is important, watching the babies in the nursery. Just remember this, that God can meet you right there, because you're doing. In your obedience, Christ will meet you. And that means that there's no job that's insignificant. Oh, they're all insignificant. They're all significant because Christ is there. And that's the place in your service that you will have an encounter with him. And then the third thing I want to say: obedience leads to reward, and thirdly, obedience leads to refreshment. See, it's not like all oh, oh, I'm getting burned out. That's not the end of obedience. In verse ten, we're still in Matthew twenty-eight. Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid." Go, take my word to the brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now wait a minute, something changed. Something changed here. Remember the beginning of the scene with the angel? The angel said, go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. So the ladies began with the intention of telling the disciples, but after meeting Jesus, they're going to tell his brethren. Now, can you see the difference? Here's the difference. When you minister to God's people, they are not just fallen man or people with issues or wild kids. You will feel that you are speaking to those who Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. See, your heart now begins to grow more tender. You're helping the brethren of the Lord. People can really cause us a lot of strife and anxiety, but it depends on how you see them. I would say, let your heart become tender toward God's people, and refreshment will soon fill you. See, even though the disciples had left, Jesus is still saying, they're my family. The angel called them disciples, but I call them family. They're my family. So within about 12 hours, their whole countenance had changed. These ladies went from being despondent and downcast and maybe without a hope to uplifted. Christ was risen. They had the privilege of meeting Him, and then telling others. How incredible is that? So, let's take this, and how can we make an application very simple for our lives? I would say this. Number one, say what you see. As you read the Scriptures and you grow in the Word of God, tell that to others. Share the wonderful golden nuggets of the Scriptures with other people. Teach people what you've been taught. Thirdly, believe enough to serve God in a way that replaces inconvenience with privilege. Don't see your service to God as something that gets in the way of your life. See it as your life. Because that's what it is, isn't it? For the Christ follower, service is our life. And part of that service is helping to bring the good news to people. And remember, you are a brethren of the Lord. Family. You know, when people came to Jesus and they said, your mother, brothers, sisters are outside, they want to come in. He said, behold, these are my brothers, brothers, mothers, brothers and sisters, those who hear the word of God and keep it. People that love God's word. People that abide in the word of God. Jesus has elevated you to his own natural family. There's nothing more intimate than a natural family. And Jesus elevates those who love his word to that level. Wow, think about it. So you see, obedience is not, when our mind is right and our head is screwed on straight, obedience is not an inconvenience, obedience to God. Obedience is for our own preservation. It rewards us. It refreshes us. It gives us purpose. Oh, how about this? It gives us a life. A life. The person without obedience to God doesn't have a life. They have an existence. They're going through the motions. But in obedience to God's word and his will for your life, that is a real life. And then you do here. Well done, good and faithful servant. And just remember, no job is insignificant. Every job is big. You know why? Because God is big. And when it's done for God, it's a big job. It's a big deal. Everything we do for God is a big deal. Everything. So don't think you're ill-equipped to do something great, because whatever you do is great. And you've also got the Spirit of God inside of you, which adds greatness to what you do. So even in giving, whether you give a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever it is, it's great in the eyes of God when the heart is right. It's all about the heart. In your service, whether you're picking up papers in the yard of the church or washing windows or preaching the word, every job is great, everyone, because we serve a great God. We all have the capacity to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We all have it. That's the beautiful thing about being in the Christian way of life. When it comes to hearing well done, we all have the same opportunity. Give you an opportunity to help us stay on the radio and help us create podcasts for the Hope Club Podcast, which has really growing by leaps and bounds. You can join the Hope Club. What a great way to start off the new year. You can start off the new year in December. (laughs) That's okay. Get a daily devotional in your email box Monday through Friday. You'll get a Tuesday challenge. It'll really pick you up and give you some scriptures to order your life go to newhoperadio.live go to the menu bar click on it you'll see it join the hope club commit three dollars a week that's not much cup of coffee a week basically and we'll send you an email every day and let's grow in the scriptures together and you'll be doing a good job because you'll be keeping us on the radio and our podcast will continue to go and i will say to you well done good and faithful servant